today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Sad news yesterday, the uh, passing of Eddie Van Halen uh, died of cancer at age 65, far too young. Uh, his uh, impact on, on pop music, on rock and roll, of course, is uh, phenomenal. And uh, joining us to talk about that is our good friend Eric Alper, publicist and uh, music commentator. Eric, great to have you back on the show. How are you doing these days? Oh, everything's good. You know what? That Those opening notes, it probably one of the greatest opening bumpers that any radio show can do. You know? Not, it, yeah. It's so good. It, you, you know what's amazing about that? And I remember this so clearly. Around the early 80s, I was in, when I was in school, we were all talking about how awesome Eddie Van Halen was. Because it was like, you know, the rockers hung out over here and the people that liked R&B and disco were over here and there wasn't any mixing. And then, you know, we're just talking about his technique and how cool he looked in the clothes and everything. And then somebody said, you know, he's learning how to play keyboards. And we were all like, ooh. And then that song came out, and it was like, yep, there he goes, dominating another instrument. It's just been phenomenal. That video, by the way, because that's just around the time that song came out, that's when videos really started to come in uh, to play. And I'll, I'll forever remember that video with the David Lee Roth jumping up and doing the splits up in the midair. And uh, great camera work. It's, I think, one of the best videos of that era, really. And it's something that you just don't forget, do you? Oh, yeah, especially if you grew up in the late 70s and 80s, and then much music comes on board, and then you realize that every fourth video they're playing is a Van Halen one. Um, you know, that video um, literally um, was cheaper to make than what Donald Trump has paid in taxes, allegedly. <laughs> um, I think it was around $400, $450 for the video. Um, but it showed exactly what kind of band Van Halen was. Not only were they brilliant in creating a pop rock song, um, but they were fun. They were so energetic and turned out that, you know, later on, Eddie Van Halen had to have a hip replacement for just a sheer amount of times he was jumping and bopping around on stage. But I think when people talk about, you know, there are no good rock bands out there or like ah, rock music is the same. I think what they really mean is the spirit of rock and roll. Just the fun part of Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard and the first couple of years of the Beatles just wisecracking their way to the top of the charts in America. They're missing that. They're missing David Lee Roth's antics and Eddie Van Halen kind of edging him off. Well, it's showmanship, isn't it? Yeah, and they never forgot that. And, you know, while Eddie Van Halen was broke and his whole family was, they, they had no money. Um, forget about playing a musical instrument. I mean, that just wasn't in the picture. Then later on, you know, when he started seeing other musicians and especially guitarists on stage at shows, he would realize that he's never going to be able to afford those fancy, you know, guitar pedals or those large amps or those little tricks that guitarists used to buy. And he just realized that he has to be crafty with his brain and with his fingers and literally invented a whole new technique with it. But that's that's where it all comes from. It's the practicing. It's the passion. It's having, you know, a gift from birth and then realizing that if you just stick with it, um, you could be great. I mean, this is a guy that you watch any of the videos on YouTube. It's almost like the guitar was just another extension of his body, the way that he would be you know, whipping out a guitar solo on stage with a cigarette dangling in his mouth while making smoke rings is, is jumping up on stage is, is astounding. I think for anybody to do even any of those things, minus the smoking part. 
Yeah, of course. Eric, you've known people in this industry for many, many years. How do you develop a style? I mean, if, if Eddie Van Halen were to go into a, 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 a store and say, look, I, I need to learn how to play guitar, and he'd say, well, show me what you can do. The first thing the guy would say is, that's not how you play guitar. That's not what you do with your hands. But that's what Van Halen did, and it sure worked for him. Yeah, and, and that's that's music. That's why these rock gods are are you know, the way that they are, and you and I are just mere mortals. You know, if you talk to anybody who's made it, they never had a plan B. It was always this or bust. It was sleeping on somebody's floor when you're broke during a tour, or you don't sleep. Um, it's, it's about practicing, and it's also about being alive at the right moment at the right time. You know, I think you and I have talked about this before, where you know, if Bill Gates was born three years earlier or, or three years later, he did, he's not a teenager trying to break into the local university to use the very first computers ever built. When Eddie Van Halen was born, a couple of, you know, in that, in that time period, it was just when, you know, rock and roll was reaching the arena status. It was hitting the right moments all throughout where, you know, he was looking at the Dave Clark Five and he was looking at the early stages of rock and roll and realizing that, that he can do it too, but it's just an unbelievable amount of passion. And you get that way probably by sleeping with your guitar when you're dreaming of being, you know, a rock god like Jimmy Page or Jimi Hendrix. He, he was actually, he was born in Holland, of course, and immigrated, and I think he was two years old or something when the family moved to the United States. He couldn't even speak English when they first got here. Uh, but he took up music at a pretty early age as well. Is, is that a way for, for people like that to, to establish an identity for themselves, new country, new people, they, you know, and say, this is what I'm all about? Yeah, it, it, it certainly helps, especially when you're an immigrant family in America and you're just trying to make it. I mean, forget about music. You're just trying to, um, you know, earn a living for your family so you can have food on the plate. But um, but yeah, you know, it's it's just those those dreams that, that keep people going. Um, and especially when, you know, you're you're trying to just play. I mean, forget about mastering it. You're trying to just pick up the chords and you know, the, 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 the artists that I work with that are really brilliant at, at excelling in an instrument, um, they all stink in the beginning, but they all have a knack for sticking with it or that they, they pick it up really easily. I mean, one of the things that Eddie Van Halen has said is that, you know, when he first took guitar lessons, he couldn't really be taught anything. Um, and his brain wouldn't work like that. But when he saw his guitar teacher play it, that's when he ended up being able to play and memorize where the fingers go and then creating something on his own. And that's the real difference. You know, I, I'm sure you're in the same boat. I get emails all the time from people saying, hey, you know, my, my kid's 13 years old, plays the drums really well, and here he is. Or, or my daughter plays, you know, guitar really well, and here's a video. And it's amazing. And I'm not knocking that at all. But, you know, it's one thing to to look at something and copy it note for note, because that's a talent in itself. But it's another to go down the road that nobody else has gone on, because nobody asked for the Beatles. Nobody ever asked for Nirvana, and nobody asked for Eddie Van Halen. They just all created something out of nothing that we're all still enjoying 40, 45, 50 years later. Eric, is, I want to tap into your expertise and your knowledge of, of all the bands that you've worked with over the years, too. Uh, with Van Halen, I mean, their first album was, was pretty good, a pretty good album. I liked it. But 1984, their second album, they nailed it. I mean, that that 
you know, they had three hit singles from that one, Jump, uh, Panama, and, of course, Hot for Teacher, uh, all from one album. It just seems as if the second time in the studio, they know what they're all about. I guess the first time is, is a new experience for them. Uh, it, Led Zeppelin, I always thought, was like that, too. I love their first album. The second one, just, uh, you know, wow, it's one of those things. Uh, is, is it the experience on the road? Is it the fact that they've already been in the studio for one album that makes it, I don't want to say easier, but they seem to be, to, to be in a groove in that second album? It actually works harder, which is interesting, because I would think that too. But the thing is that you have 18 years to make your first album, meaning that your whole life, you're just, you're practicing, you're playing with your friends, you're, you know, touring, and then somebody signs you to a record deal, sticks you in a studio, and you've got your whole life's worth of moments and memories and experience to draw on. If that album becomes successful, they just put you out on the road for two years and say, here's a quarter, call me when the bus lands. And then um, then they give you three months to record a second album because they want to strike while the iron's hot. They want you to still continue to build that momentum, which is why most second albums don't really sell all that much because it's so crammed into such few times. The greats are the ones that are able to write on the road and draw from those experiences and, and not lose the beat. If you can have a classic second album, chances are you're probably in it for the long haul, which is kind of so strange to think about when we're living in a Spotify, TikTok world for the next generation of, of music lovers and musician performers is that, you know, forget about albums. They have two shots of making it big, their first single and then their second single. And it's almost like if it doesn't work, you got to be really, really tough in order to keep that, that, you know, keep your musical career surviving. Just before we started the segment, uh, going into the news break at the bottom of the hour, we played Beat It by Michael Jackson. I'm trying to explain to the listeners, like, oh, why are you playing the Michael Jackson song? That's, of course, Eddie Van Halen doing the guitar solo, uh, which he basically, I, I found out later on, he did that for free. Yeah, you know, when he got asked to, to, to record this solo, um, nobody really knew about Thriller at the time because they were mm-hmm. still recording it. And uh, Quincy Jones had asked, Eddie Van Halen to come in and, and whip out a solo. Um, Eddie Van Halen didn't tell anybody because it wasn't cool at the time if you were in rock and roll to like Michael Jackson. Because remember, this is way before the iPod. This is yeah. before music streaming services and musical styles just didn't hit. If you were a rocker, you never hung out with the people who liked disco and R&B for whatever reason. So he walked in there, heard the song once, did the solo, walked out, did it for free and uncredited. So you can't even find him on the album. He didn't even tell David Lee Roth, who hated Michael Jackson, that he actually did this, which is really ironic because the album 1984 was stuck at number two on the Billboard album charts for weeks because Michael Jackson's Thriller was number one for 36 straight weeks. So, you know, the, the irony, I'm sure, was not lost on Eddie. But just a remarkable, you know, as a favor to Quincy Jones to, to go and do that. Uh, they also, what I loved about their live shows, uh, they didn't ha- hesitate to do covers. I'm a huge fan of the Kinks, of course, from the 1960s and 70s, I guess. Uh, but Van Halen did a cover of You Really Got Me that I, I would argue might even be better than the version the Kinks did. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, yeah, it, you know, when you think about that, it used to be the theme song for, um, I think it was a Sweet Marie chocolate bar in the, in the 80s that made every teenage boy just stand up and take notice it was like filmed in this like high school with this blonde teenager that was the dream of every single kid out there um but yeah you know their covers of 
of that and dancing the night away. You know, when you're first starting out and you don't have any songs, that's what you do. You play covers and you try not to play them note for note. You you try to expand on your own progression and, and you know, make your own mark and, and make it your own, as judges from American Idol would say, until you kind of get good enough and you start writing your songs. But certainly, you know, I think that they always wanted to pay tribute to those that came before them. And they're great party songs, too. But certainly, you know, You Really Got Me was you know, with David Lee Roth whooping vocals halfway. It, it's just all so astounding to hear still all these years later. Eric, you just mentioned David Lee Roth. Of course, he left the group at one point, and Sammy Hager jumped in there. Uh, there's, a, there's always going to be a debate, you know, well, they weren't as good without David Lee Roth. Uh, but Sammy Hager was Sammy Hager, too. The, uh, good bands can, can pivot like that and, and make adjustments and still sound great. Yeah, I mean, by all means, it was it was absolutely without question Eddie Van Halen's band. Um, wherever he wanted to go, that's where the band went. When he wanted to go in the studio, that's when the band went. When he wanted to take some time off, they all took time off. And very few bands in music history have actually had two different lead singers and still had success. Probably Genesis was one of them and ACDC was the other. Um, but, you know, by the time that Sammy Hagar came in the band, it was more corporate rock. It was more arena rock. It seemed like all these classic rock bands traded in that joint and got, you know, a health advisor. They, they started doing steps on the backstage area for exercise rather than drinking that last sip of Jack Daniels. And so they became more of a of an adult rock band. They, they started crafting, I think, you know, more modern sounding songs rather than just kind of, um, you know, fly by night with whips and chains and, and here you go, we're, you know, pedal to the metal of, of David Lee Roth. Um, but I think that just comes with age. I think things calm down a little bit. You know, the songs get a little bit slower because, you know, you're not in such a rush to do them. Um, and certainly they had success with four straight number one albums, too. Exactly. Listen, i got a couple of minutes left. I, I also want to ask you about uh, Johnny Nash, who passed away. We heard about this yes. this morning. Uh, big hit, I can see clearly now, was the number one hit on the Billboard charts. I think of him, though, as, as the guy who I think really kind of introduced North America to reggae music. Yeah, absolutely. He was one of the very first performers to actually write and produce and uh, and create his own songs back then with I Could See Clearly Now. Um, but yeah, he went down to Jamaica because he loved reggae music and he was one of the first non-Jamaicans to actually go there and record. He started a record label and then he decided to help out one of his friends that he thought was really good. And that guy was Bob Marley and the rest was history. It could even do the yeah, Hold Me Tight, of course, was a big hit for him in 1968. Uh, and it, it was it was a different beat. I mean, you know, that, uh, heavy metal was just starting to come in there. Zeppelin and others were, and, and Steppenwolf were, were really making a mark. And this was a different sound. I, well, like you say, and then Bob Marley himself was signed to the record deal. And, and it, it just opened up a whole new uh, era of rock music, a whole new genre of rock, of, of pop music for everybody. Yeah, for sure. You, you know, it's funny because somebody will say, you know, oh, it's just a one-hit wonder, and it's like, yeah, but what a hit. Well, yeah, and, and a guy, as you say, that, uh, you know, you may not think of his catalog as, as influential in the 1970s, and, but uh, but he worked both sides. I mean, he, he was a producer, a singer, a songwriter, and a record executive, too. It had a, a lot of influence on yeah. the industry. Uh, Eric, we're just about for out sure. of time. Yeah, always absolutely. a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk with you on this. Thanks so much for the time today. Stay well. We'll talk again soon. 
You too. All right. Thanks, man. We'll talk later. You betcha. Eric Alper, publicist and music commentator. Uh, Eddie Van Halen, uh, who passed away uh, yesterday at age 65. And uh, Johnny Nash uh, from uh, I Can See Clearly Now fame and uh, a bunch of other hits, too, that he had in the late 60s and early 70s. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.